Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about um, the Buffy episode, Family, and mm-hmm. Angel episode called Guys Will Be Guys. <laughs> guys. In the Amy Adams guys. episode, Family. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, shoot. I meant to double check if this was her first act, like credited acting role. Did you look uh, it up? No, I forgot I feel to like it up. is. I, I think, think it, it was. Is. I'm going to... Let's just real quick IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the middle of doing that, and then I started setting up my microphone, and then I was having issues, and so then I got sucked into that. Um, Nevertheless. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. Um, You know, it's like, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm like, sometimes I have a lot to tell you, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just a week. Oh, my God, her first role is Drop Dead Gorgeous. I know, I just saw that. Okay, never mind. I forgot she she was was in that. (laughs) Also in an episode of Charm. That's right. Oh my God. Wow. She doesn't really look like herself in that. But she's also in that episode of The Office. Like Amy Adams, like really had a she and she was on Smallville. Been a regular on you know all the um, SVU shows, but she like managed to break out. Yeah, she did did all this stuff. Weird side roles before she got big. Wow. Well, Junebug was like her big thing. So I had never even heard of that. After that, like she got nominated for an Oscar. So like after that, it was like mm. she was that was like her big moment. But before she did that, like she or after maybe after she filmed it, but before it was out, she like did all these guest spots and like t- TV shows. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, she was very good in Buffy, so I know. I was like trying to assess the like acting quality if yeah. I could like see future star potential. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. She's she didn't really have a lot too. to do, but I feel yeah. like she did. I think she. Well, we should talk about the episode, and then we can talk about Amy Adams' performance. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, you. Do you want to just get into it? Get into it. That makes it sound like we're gonna fight. I just mean get into the episode discussion. Yeah, my life is boring because right we're now. both Let's boring this week. <laughs> Like, general, uh, like, life is just happening, going yeah, on. I don't know. I'm so going to work. To I live in the same place. I'm eating the same things. <laughs> Nothing yeah. crazy. I, I, I made a, what was supposed to be a chili non-carne last mm-hmm. night. Like, mm-hmm. basically like a bean chili. And it just started out wrong because I was like, I'm going to shop my pantry and use whatever beans are in there. And it turned out I had mm-hmm. lima beans. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> which I actually Did you like. Put them in there, huh? Ugh, I barely no. can eat them. And they were like the big ones too. So no, I ended up no. making not chili, but it was okay. like I was like, well, I'll just throw all the vegetables in my freezer in this, okay, and okay. whatever vegetables I have left over. So I basically made like a bean and vegetable stew. So okay. started out with chili, ended up with not chili. Yeah. So extra I had a not chili. <laughs> successful kitchen experiment yesterday. I was like, nailed it. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. Also, the, I'm um, just going to say the recipe as written was really bad, which is surprising because it's Mark Bittman and he doesn't usually mm. do that. But I was like reading the directions. I was like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I think I've used that recipe a lot. Well, if you can tell me how I'm supposed to bring onions to boil, then you I'll read. I'll the read problem. the recipe and tell yeah. you. Okay. Um, oh, I did have an this is <laughs> exciting life update. It's not actually exciting, but we played a lot of uh, Super Mario yesterday, and I finally beat this level that I had been struggling with for like, <laughs> months. And uh, struggling with for months because I only play like one hour every month, so it's not like, you know. it's. A, we're also at this point in the game where um, 
we play, we were playing like pretty regularly for a while. And so we like got through a lot of levels, but now it's like, like I said, like I pick it up like once a month and then we're like kind of on harder levels. I'm like, Oh my God, like I don't even remember how to do this. So it's just even harder to like beat a level when you haven't played in a long time and you're on a harder level. So, and also you're not good at video games <laughs> anyway, yeah. but progress. So I felt, I was really pleased with myself. Now I like beat a couple of more levels. So like, I feel good about it. Congratulations. Thank you. Also, we also just confirmed our lives are boring. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't, it was fun. It was fun. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's been a light weekend. Um, actually really meant to go into work today. And then I was like, wait, you idiot, you can't go to work. You have to film, tape your podcast. I appreciate <laughs> Alex, that. <laughs> Alex had to go to work. And so I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go too. And like, cause I can just get this thing, knock it out of the way. And then I, I like an hour later, I was like, you can't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I've been like, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Buffy. Yeah. Do you um, want to tell us what happened in family? I do. And, like, surprisingly a ton. I feel like a ton went on in this episode. Like, the main storyline was pretty clear, but there was, like, all kinds of little side plots. But, yeah, so this is, like, definitely the big Tara episode, and it's maybe the first or one of the only ones to, like, really focus on her. And we finally get some clarity on why she in, like, had made kind of weird cagey references about herself in the Dream episode. And then also, like, a few months back, her and Willow were trying to perform demon-locating spell, and she, like, intentionally botched it. So anyway, as this episode starts out, it's about to be Tara's birthday. And so Willow is trying to have all her friends, you know, go to a party that she's been planning for her um, at the bronze. And, you know, I guess it just kind of highlights that, like, they all really like Tara, but nobody really knows her that well. And like, she's part of the group, but she's kind of not part of the group. Meanwhile, her brother storms into the magic shop one day, kind of demanding to like, see her and spend time with her and tells her that her dad is there too. And so we kind of come to find out that her dad and her brother and her cousin, uh, Beth, not Amy, <laughs> I almost said Amy. <laughs> Basically, they've been telling Tara that she is part demon and that when she turns 20, it's going to like reveal itself and she'll have to come back home. So she's like from some sort of small town. Yeah. And they're there to basically retrieve her. And they keep telling her that like your friends are going to hate you when they find out that you're a demon and they're, that you've been lying to them and all this terrible stuff that they've kind of been saying to her. Clearly they've been saying these things to her her whole life. Also. Um, it's also very thinly veiled, uh, you know, metaphor for their disapproval of her, um, gay lifestyle. So I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this as always. Uh, but basically by the end of the episode, we find out that they've been lying about this whole thing. She's not a demon at all. And that it's just something that they've been saying to basically exercise control over the women in their family. And it's, she's not the only one that they've been saying this to, but that that is how it ends. So by the end of the episode, Buffy and all the Scoobies totally stand up for her and declare that they're her new family and that anybody, if they want to force her to force Tara to go back home, they're going to have to fight Buffy basically and everyone. Um, and it's super touching and adorable. But these other things that are going on, um, Glory is still around. You know, she kind of wakes up from or gets out from her um, building, the building that she tumbled over herself in the last episode. She's mad at, at Buffy and she sends these Layak demons after Buffy and her friends. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like literally not even reading from notes, which is a good lesson to me to never do this again. But in, in order to hide herself from uh the rest of the Scoobies, Tara casts a spell on them so that they won't be able to see the demon part of her. But instead, it just makes it so that they can't see demons at all. So these demons that Glory has sent after the Scoobies, they have to kind of fight them invisibly until Tara shows up and reverses the spell. But luckily, Spike also shows up because he is there supposedly to watch the Slayer get killed. But of course, since he's 
recognize that he's in love with Buffy, he can't let that happen. And so he steps in to kind of help them fight off these demons until they're able to see them and just do it for themselves. So Spike continues his his obsession with Buffy. Glory's still around, is trying to do away with the Slayer. Um, and then, meanwhile, very side note, we see Riley go hang out at Willie's bar, the, like, demon bar, and sort of flirt for a while with this woman who then he reveals he knows is a vampire. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, I... How do you think the family perpetuates this thing about the demons because it's a good point obviously the women never turn into a demon mm-hmm. so it's they just make them think it's this internal evil streak that that's where the magic comes from i think so and they she do have, like, you know it is clear that tara is a witch and that her mom is a witch so there are she does have like powers to kind of be ashamed of what about cousin beth yeah i mean she's in the throes of this like abuse i think I don't know. She just refuses to use them. Maybe she doesn't use her powers, but probably has them. It just seems like a... I mean, I, I understand psychologically how they could probably do this through family lore and it's mm-hmm. this understood thing, but like when nothing ever really presents itself, it's odd that Anya's the first person to ask the question. <laughs> it's true. I still sort of think it works for some reason. I mean, or maybe they actually gaslight them and like tell them like no do you don't see this <laughs> there's Maybe. like a horn on your head or something you know i feel like with enough of them kind of banded together and it's clearly obviously from the you. beginning meant to be a thing to keep the women home because right um so like, that they don't leave right amy adams is referring to the fact that her father and her brother have to like fend for themselves right right yeah like no one's there to like cook and clean her house yeah because she left yeah yeah i mean ridiculous but i really like this episode though i mean granted yes there's some maybe some like kind of logic gaps but i was all in by the end like the big like shining moment of all the scoobies being like well we're you know she's part of us now blah 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 like totally fell for it i loved it (laughs) yeah because the whole time like you know they're recognizing that tara is really there with willow and that they haven't really Mm -hmm. taken the time or been able to get to know her for whatever reason probably they haven't taken the time um, because as we've seen, this group of people, they're pretty selfish when they want to be, but But also I think, Tara, you know, they don't have the same exact interests. Tara's quiet yeah. and hard, you know, she's not like gregarious and easy to just But she's also with. been with Willow for a while and it's yeah. clear that they haven't really made the effort. And True. I mean, they like her, but they haven't really yeah. tried to get to know her and Tara's shy. So she's not really going to like impose herself in the group. But right. I do like that even with that the whole time there's never a question that they're not going to go to this party or they're not going to get her a gift. Like they're struggling because they're like, well, we have to do this, but what do we do? (laughs) Yeah. Um, although no one's gift could be as, I mean, Don got her a broom. I know. Which I think was a joke. (laughs) I think it's really cute. Yeah. Tara seemed genuinely like pleased about it. Yeah. But I do like by the end, like they are making the effort, like Anya's asking her to explain her joke and like why (laughs) she said what she said. And like, you know, They've, they've all made an effort to show up and um, yeah it is good it's like tara's you know true official joining of the scoobies meeting yeah. so because but the I last time I, she did that you know buffy was actually faith so and i think that that's maybe even another reason why they've had a hard time connecting with her because i can imagine that if your first interaction your first big time you put yourself out there you kind of get bullied by somebody it might make you like a little bit less inclined to do that again. Even though she knew that it was Faith the whole time, I can still see how that would, like, leave an impression on you. Or at the very least, like, it would just disrupt the natural process of becoming friends. You know, like, I mean, I think we all know in the process of 
trying to make friends, any little hiccup at the beginning is really easy to just, <laughs> okay, we're not going to be friends. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, oh, I guess what I wanted to say though, is that I feel like it's, I also like this notion that even though they haven't been able to get to know Tara particularly well, it seems like they really do like her or at least like, mm, how do I want to say this? I guess it's just that they, I feel like there is that level of comfort that you can have with your family or your found, you know, found, found family, whoever you decide that that is where you don't necessarily have to have the same interests and likes, you know, and you don't necessarily have to like be able to crack jokes with one another to still feel really like fiercely loyal about it. So I feel like somehow that scene again, where like Buffy is saying like, no, she's one of us. And if you want to take her, then you're going to have to fight me is like really underlines that, that it's like, they haven't gotten to know her any better through the course of this episode. You know what I mean? Like they haven't spent more time with her. They don't get her jokes still, but it's kind of even a deeper connection than that, or at least a very different one. But I like that the, I feel like that's kind of, you know, I mean, the episode is called family and those are the explicit um, words that Buffy says about it. But I think that they also kind of get at that point really well, that it's not being family isn't necessarily about having the same interests. Yeah. And also she's family because she's Willow's family. So that carries a lot of weight. True. Yeah. But I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think, you know, as much as they complain about Anya, if the situation were about her, they would do the same thing. So mm -hmm. um, I really loved Anya in this episode, too. <laughs> I, for, I guess I just forgot how much like when she's really more integrated with things, I like her a lot more. Yeah. Anya um, in the magic like, shop is my favorite. <laughs> Anya in the magic shop, Anya and Xander were being really cute in this episode. Like this is, this was such a good Xander. He was very minimally used, which again, maybe is part of the key, but like I, everything he said and did in this one, I thought was really cute and sweet, but yeah, I don't know. I just like enjoy her. Like when she's telling Giles that like, Oh, you gave me like a place, you know, like now I have a purpose for being here on earth as a human, you know, cause she's been so lost. Like they don't often, as much as, like, Tara at least gets this one episode, I guess Anya gets an episode, like, much later down the line, but we really don't ever spend that much time with her, and I think even just seeing kind of those little glimpses of that explanation of, like, how, how disorienting this all must have been for her is is sweet. Yeah, and I, I like this idea that um, Tara's family is saying that, you know, a demon can't really be out in the world or is, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, and Anya's standing right there, you know, proving them wrong right. just by being there, so... <laughs> I, yeah, I did like the irony of that's that. That's true. Sorry to go way back to the very, very beginning of this episode. I so at the end of last week's episode, we Buffy found out that Dawn isn't her sister, mm -hmm. and this episode actually jumps right back into that, which is she's sitting with Giles and explaining the situation to him. And I also thought that scene was just I, like I'm just so happy. Like this whole everything about this episode, pretty much other than the Riley thing, which we can get to, made me happy. Like I thought it was really just nicely done. I, you know, I think it just like fits together perfectly with where we've seen Buffy and Giles going, where she's like asked him voluntarily to be her mentor and guide again, and then to see that he is the first person that she goes to with this information because he's the one that she trusts the more than anybody for this thing. I just thought that was like it's just so true to it to me. Yeah, like, of course, Giles is the only person she can tell because he doesn't feel that Dawn is his daughter in the way that he might have mm -hmm. those feelings towards Buffy, too. But, um, you know, he can be objective about it. It won't emotionally wreck him to find out that Dawn isn't real. And, you know, he also is a good resource to try to 
look into how this might have happened. But also, like, Buffy can't not tell anyone, right? But, like, she she has to also be extremely right. selective about who she can tell because, you know, she's even deciding not to tell Riley because Dawn mm-hmm. can't find out. And none, and and her big point about, like, the more people know, the less safe she is is also very, very yeah. true. Like, if anyone starts thinking about, you know, or knows that Dawn is new or this thing that's been inserted, then the, like, greater likelihood mm-hmm. that eventually Glory can find that out, too. Glory will find it, Like, yeah. they're already worrying that Glory's going to come after her, and she does in this episode, but mm-hmm. she, she also still has no idea that Buffy has the key. Right. She just thinks Buffy stole her mom. She just thinks she's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, we should talk about Glory a little bit because I had a few notes about her as well. First of all, I still love her. She's still great. I was a little bit annoyed that they are intentionally deceptive with the Ben thing in this episode because we see Ben go in the locker room. You know, there's just like a kind of place setting um, shot of the hospital where we see that like more people are getting you know, keep coming into the hospital with these same kind of uh, problems and, you know, no history of mental illness, but all of a sudden having this like big burst of, of, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but, um, so we see Ben, but then Ben goes into the locker room and then we see that, that one of the Layak demons is there. And then all of a sudden we see glory, but like they very distinctly put glory came into the frame from the other side yeah. of the room. So it's like, you're going out of your, I, I guess I was a little bit annoyed by that. Like, I'm happy to not have any kind of, I'm happy to not have any clue whatsoever that they're connected to each other. But I think that if you're going to put a clue in there, it should like, she just, she would have been on the other side of the room. Well, <laughs> you know, unless she circles around the I, other I, I side, because was, I noticed this too, but it if, was very, if she comes very from quick. the other side, then, then we're left wondering, because at this point, no one's thinking that Ben is glory. So we're left wondering how does she get to the demon and Ben doesn't see her. You know, like, I I guess I still, I guess I just think the whole thing then was like, why? I I don't know. I know they're just trying to tie it together. I just feel like, I felt like they were going out of their way. Down the the road, when we rewatch, we can be like, oh yeah, they're in the same room. That makes sense. I guess it just, it does make sense that I felt like they were being deceptive. Of course they were. Yeah. It's intentionally deceptive. I know, but I don't like that. I don't like intentionally deceptive. I like intentionally obscure. Okay. Well, I think it's deceptive in purpose of a big reveal. So, but it's still, yeah. it still makes sense on a level that I think I can forgive it. Yeah. No, I mean, I forgive it. I was just like, ugh. <laughs> um, but okay. So then we get this Glor- glory's explanation of like, while she, why she's hiring these demons to take out the slayer, everything about it that she said was gold. Uh, if I had friends, I'd be so embarrassed <laughs> that they knew I got beat up by a slayer. Like that was great. Uh, her, your previous mention of her being like, Oh, she broke my shoe and she stole my monk. Like, Everything that she says is just hilarious and should be stitched on a pillow. But I also really, really love the irony of her saying, like, she calls Buffy, or she not calls Buffy, she calls a Slayer common. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's so common. Like, there's literally one in the world. It's the least common. But for someone like Glory on a longer timeline, then the turnover rate of the Slayers must seem pretty common. That's what I love. It Like, it really does a great job of, like, hitting home yeah. her age and like her perspective on things like Buffy is just this little annoying aunt but I also think that she's saying it on purpose too like I think she's a little bit being intentionally ironic as well I don't know I like I think she's doing both somehow because she's a goddess and she could do whatever yeah. she wants I don't know I just like I was like I like this line on every level it's hilarious. I love that she like we still don't know her name and we don't know what she is mm-hmm. but she is referencing it in this you know she's talking to the demon and she's saying my name is a holy name and you yeah, know, she's asserting her the fact that she's a deity, I guess. But, yeah. but but it all sounds just kind of like wacky at this point because we literally know nothing about mm-hmm. her. I mean, Buffy's still hurting right. from the fight, so we know she's powerful. But 
Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I love everything about what they're doing with Glory right now. Yeah. Also, I love that it like it does dovetail very nicely with Tara's story in a way that doesn't feel too um, contrived. Like, you know, Tara should right. have thought through the ramifications of hiding her demon half right. if, right, if she didn't right. specify the spell enough and it, she now they can't see any demons. You know, Buffy needs to be able right. to see demons. So it, it right, kind of does feel right. nicely. Like, Tara's clearly not thinking straight, but then also... I love the intersection with the Glory storyline where these demons come to take out the Slayer, and they almost do because Buffy, while normally would probably dispatch them no problem, she can't see them, and nor can anyone else. Yeah, that's a good point. Because there's always demons coming after her, so it's not particularly contrived that uh, Tara casts this spell. Yeah, Yeah. and I also really love the Um, the little sidebar of Spike and Harmony, you know, just happy mm -hmm. that someone else is doing it for them, or at least Harmony. Spike, sort of happy. Oh, my God. And then also, I mean, getting Glory and Harmony in one episode is just like, I love that they're very in ways, you know, they could be the same character. Like if they were too sloppy with it, I think it could feel like, oh, no, they're just saying the same lines. But they're just so different. Like everything that Harmony said was also great. Like a bargain's a bargain. And then Spike's like, wait, did you pay for that? And she's like, no, (laughs) obviously not. But like that whole scene, hilarious. I love it. They They love Harmony being a vampire. Are kind of the same character, except where Harmony is a little bit unintelligent glory is clearly not i feel like it's even deeper than that too though but yeah yeah i don't know i guess i just mean they don't come across like too similar to me even though on in a really superficial level they are both you know wearing designer clothes and like kind of obsessing about superficial things sometimes yeah i said superficial too many times it's also unfortunate that my only other reference for that actress is bring it on because i really keep waiting for her to like (laughs) stomp over and be like you're gonna cheer tater torrents and a pain in my ass (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah so i mean there's more of spike's uh creepy obsession in this episode i i mean i am still enjoying it Uh, for whatever that says about me like it is creepy but it's also i didn't hate it well, Spike has regressed to the level I mean, of fighting with Buffy is now his, like, sexual fantasy, so yeah, it is creepy. I just don't think it's far-fetched. I don't know. I don't think that's, I don't think that's that creepy of a fantasy. It's creepy when he's hanging outside of her house. It's not, you know, your fantasies are your fantasies. He can have a fantasy. Sure. I, I just think mm-hmm. it's creepy that he's, like, fantasizing about killing her. He's not. He's fantasizing about fighting okay. her. I think, didn't we have this conversation about something recently where, oh yeah, because it was in that movie where they were talking about like the opposite of love isn't hate. Those are actually really close together. So I think there is a a very natural segue from, you know, enemies to lovers. Yeah. I'm not giving you this. (laughs) I know your feelings about the whole Spike thing. I just think it's, you know, it's, it's the show trying to take something that is actually extremely unsettling and turn it into like something that we're supposed to be okay with. Oh, I don't agree. Hmm. Anyway, at least he's there yeah, to save well, the day. I mean, it has its advantages. Do you at least appreciate and him I punching mean, I'm not Tara? It's not entertaining. It really is. But like, you can't think too hard about it. It's like, you also can't think too hard about the Buffy angel relationship. Like you think too hard about the like actual facts well, of it. It falls yeah. apart. So yeah, I mean, all of her yeah. relationships with vampires are creepy because the age difference alone is like, that's true uh well should we talk about her more age-appropriate boyfriend yeah see this that disturbs me so much more than anything that goes on with spike maybe that's part of the problem too Ugh. 
Riley. I already hated this scene. Now I'm like, okay, now you guys are just fucking up Riley to be mean. I mean, I think that they're trying to make it seem like it's coming from a natural place with him where he's frustrated because Buffy's clearly got something on her mind. She's not confiding in him. Mm -hmm. You know, she says she wants him in the fight, even though he's less capable than he was, but she, she's not showing him that like she's shutting him out. He doesn't know why. I mean, she has a legitimately good reason for doing it, but of course he can't know why. Right. Right. And so given all of their previous tension, it's just piling on and he feels like it's more of the same. So like I can understand them trying to show Riley in a frustrated place. He's not in a good place, but he's going to the wrong places, like not in this episode. I mean, in this episode, it's clear that he's been to Willie's a couple times, but he's not actively seeking out but, demons or vampires. But you can kind of see in this episode the turn that it might take. And that is where I don't. I, I don't know, though. I guess that, I think that's legitimate to me. Like, why would he do that? I guess the thing that bothered me is that why would he, he could have gone to a regular yeah, bar. that's what I mean. And drowned yeah. in sorrows. So, like, it doesn't make any sense that he would go to Willie's to me at all. And then more than that, I think, in particular, it really bothered me that he was at a bar flirting with another woman. Because, like, that is such well bullshit explanation for why people, you see, maybe not bullshit, but, like, sorry, I'm cursing a lot in this episode. Um, I don't know. I just, I guess that turn is so 180 against the Riley that we've grown to know and love. It's like they haven't been, they're not in a 20 year marriage and they've been having problems for five years where you can understand how somebody might seek solace somewhere else. Like how long have they been dating? You know what I mean? Like this, they haven't been having problems for that long that I think it's not to say that it's justified to do those kinds of things anyway, but like, I, I just don't buy that he's that desperate to just be flirting with somebody and especially a guy like Riley who we've really been you know he really has proven himself to be like a actually good guy who won't break rules you know what I mean for the most part or it's just like I I just don't see this being his reaction to that I don't think that's really what he's doing. He is hitting on that like woman. He's, he's, he's not feeling good because he feels like Buffy is rejecting him or not letting him in. So he's going to like the worst place he can think of to like, you know, drown his sorrows. And then this woman sits down and she's being nice to him and he's paying attention. And, you know, he like kind of plays the game a little bit. Like he buys her a drink, but then immediately he shuts her down. He says, hey, I have a girl, like I like someone or I'm in love with someone else and you're also a vampire. Like, I don't think he really crosses any lines yeah. in this episode. And I can kind of see where he's coming I I from, but I was... don't, I don't, I agree with you though that it doesn't really seem like that's the direction Riley would take it. I don't think it's true to Riley. Right. I don't think he's really done anything wrong in this episode, but I do think that we can see that he might, and I don't think that that's the reaction that we would expect from what Buffy's doing. Because before, he's proven himself to be, like, the mature one, and, like, he'll just talk it out, and, like, this is kind of the opposite of that. It is, yeah. I don't know, though. I do, I, I know, I agree that, yes, technically he hasn't crossed any lines, but he's ever so careful to, like, technically not cross. I don't know, it's just so dodgy, like... He's just not sleazy like this. Like, that's not what Riley would do. (laughs) Riley wouldn't go flirt with a woman at a bar. I just don't think that's what he would be doing. If he were at a bar playing pool, playing darts, getting a little bit too drunk, like, that's totally things that I would buy as, like, I'm feeling grumpy about my girlfriend and I need to, like, let loose a little bit. But this is not where I would see it going. At least not so quickly, like I said. Whereas, like, they've maybe been having problems for a few months. You know what I mean? Like, it's not been years. No, but I feel like some of it feels true where, like, Riley's really nice. So this woman sits down next to him and she's like, "Ugh, you know, my life is terrible. He's going to not going to be like, I can't talk to you. He's going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, mine kind of sucks right now, too. Here's a drink, you know, yeah. makes it, you know, whatever. Like, I, I really mm. don't think that he's done anything 
in this episode, but I do think that it's clear that he's on the precipice of possibly going that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, his choice in bar is terrible, Plus, but it I think that that's yeah. more about him feeling really low and wanting his surroundings to match him as well, you know? Like, I going guess. to the college bar yeah. isn't... You know, and also maybe in Willie's, like, people know that he's fights demons, but, like, they're not going to ask him about, like, where's your girlfriend, you know, all of the questions that he's not yeah. really going to want to answer. I guess I'm talking myself into understanding this. I know. <laughs> I guess if I didn't know where it was going, I could forgive this one scene. Yeah. It's just the, like, oh, that I know no, what I you're setting your up and that I don't. I don't like the direction that they're taking Riley. I don't like, you know, as much as they seem to be making the case, the show seems to be making the case that his and Buffy's relationship is falling apart for completely legitimate reasons, it still feels extremely contrived and that they just want to get him out of the way. Like, oh, this time's up mm-hmm. on his love interest. We're moving on to the next one. And I don't really yeah. buy that they're doing it. Like, I mean, we've talked about this before. If Riley truly felt that he didn't have a place in Sunnydale and he had to make a hard decision to leave Buffy and go, you know, fulfill his own, you know, dreams and leadership needs and all of that. Like, I would totally buy that. But him leaving because he thinks Buffy doesn't love him anymore is just stupid. I thought that the Layok demons were really creepy. It was some of the better monster work, yeah, I think. they were gross. They were gross. Although they weren't actually that threatening when it came down to it. It's like, I know that this is for effect, but, like, nobody can see them, and they didn't immediately just walk in there and kill people. It was like, mm, I, uh, okay, sure. Well, I think they were like, you guys aren't a little scary. bit <laughs> mystified as to why they couldn't see them. So I think that was a little bit intriguing, and then they were like, yeah. we can have some fun with this. But, um, They're supposed to be, like, like, however Glory described them as, like, you guys are, like, noble warriors. Like, that's not a warrior behavior i know they have to do it because of the story and the effect but i was like they're not that scary maybe they're they're used to getting by on their demon looks maybe they don't think they have to try really cute separating sores (laughs) (laughs) i somehow still feel like we didn't cover everything i feel like well we didn't talk about miss kit miss kitty fantastico i don't have much to say about her (laughs) uh me neither but i love seeing kittens the kitten feels like it should be Um, older by now but that it does feel like she should be older um did, oh, I guess I didn't say this either, but that the another thing that happens in this episode is that um, Buffy moves back home. Yeah. I guess she had a single? I guess she did. I mean, we never saw them move her in. So, I mean, this yeah. is the part where they start to really step away from the fact that, like, they're in college. They're in college. Yeah, like, because soon Buffy won't be, but, you know, Willow and Tara still yeah. are, but they only really kind of nod to it on occasion. Um you know, mm-hmm. we, we hear Anya complaining that they just moved Buffy in, but we never saw that. I mean. Uh, but I don't really think we need. I actually think that no, was I fine. No, I think that's fine. I, I feel just like this feel was like a really Im- the last time we had any reference that Buffy was going to class was when she w- and Willow were talking about, you know, how Buffy was doing really well. But otherwise, it's yeah. Buffy's been at home. It seems like she's been living at home. So there's been no real continuity of her even being in school so like her suddenly moving out because she's been at home like it makes sense but it's also kind of like oh yeah Buffy's supposed to be in school yeah but I think I'd also did the double service of like reminding us that like things with Joyce are really serious you know that Buffy feels like she has to go home and like as much as she's saying it's because I'm there all the time and to just save money I think it's like clear that she's very worried about her taking care of her mom and now Dawn 
actually, that's probably the bigger motivation. Well, equal motivations is like now, you know, throughout this episode, we see her like kind of panicking a lot more about what Dawn is up to and where she is, because now she knows that she's not just her little sister that she needs to protect, but like something of even more consequence, perhaps, to the world. So. No, I think you're right. I don't think it's a coincidence yeah. that this is happening after Buffy finds out about Dawn because she mm-hmm. has a good excuse for saying, you know, I'm home a lot because we don't know what's wrong with my mom. But at this point, they don't even know that what's wrong with Joyce is serious. So they know that it's not going away, but they don't know the extent of it. And so Buffy right. wouldn't necessarily have to move home for that. But I think it's a good pretext for the real reason, which is, oh, I shouldn't have moved out. Mm-hmm. I have to be there to protect Dawn as well. And her, I mean, she, I think she wants to be yeah. there for her mom, but I think you're right. I think the real reason is to protect Dawn because Buffy doesn't let her out of her sight in this episode. Yeah. I mean, and this also, we get a nice, um, not nice, but like a good reference to Buffy's dad. And we just kind of get to see more and more, you know, since season one, basically he's been absentee and he continues to, to do that to, to both of them, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is um, the, the, the reference we finally get that her dad has clearly exited her life he's living in spain with mm-hmm. his secretary so and i think I, yeah i guess that's like and, and again that explanation kind of explains a lot about a person's character i think when it's like she's like oh he didn't even call me back about when i told him about yeah. mom and it's like okay yeah so you're just a dirtbag well, it's, it's a little bit of <laughs> a retcon because you know the situation that we it see is. in the first season isn't so much someone bailing on you as it is like your parents just got divorced like her dad lives in LA mm-hmm. but he still seems even up through season four Buffy's visiting her dad in LA so it seems like he's still trying to be a part of her life so this is a little bit of a well you know that's sort of but which is the one where they go to the ice capades with where she wants to go with Giles because that's the time that her dad flakes out on her. She might have been visiting him, but he hasn't been visiting oh, her. Oh, no. Like, I think this definitely, like, we've seen hints of this, but I don't think that... I think it has progressed yeah, that way, Yeah, like, I don't think... Yeah. Bailing is, like, the right... Unless she's talking about him moving to Spain. I don't know. I don't understand what you well, mean. Well, when she said, oh, when dad bailed on us, Don cried for a week. But, like... Oh, right, well, right, right. I, Oh, yeah, I that is kind of a bit... couldn't remember yeah. what she was talking about, like... Because the situation set up before didn't really seem to imply that her parent bailed on her. But, like, not yeah. being there more and more and then moving to Spain, that feels like maybe that's what she was talking about. Do you think that the monks messed with that part, too? Is yeah. that maybe, like, maybe it is a retcon, but maybe the fact that they had to write rewrite these memories, I don't know, it's a little weird. Maybe that was the way that they rewrote it. Maybe. Do you know but what I'm why, saying? I, that, does, I don't, that seems like an extra step to take that is completely unrelated to the key. Maybe to give them more to bond over or more something. I don't know. Maybe. I'm willing know, to I'm just, just chalk I'm it up just to... throwing l- out explanations. Yes. Yeah. I, I chalk it up to... I feel like you're not going along with me. I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes we just speculate. <laughs> I think it's just lazy writing, but... Oh. I guess. Okay. Should we talk about Angel? Yeah, let's talk about... Guys will be guys with a U-I-S-E. Mm-hmm. So thankfully we get a little break from the Darla stuff this week, although Angel's clearly still hung mm. up on it. Well, not a full break. Like Angel does try to break into Wolfram and Hart at the beginning of this episode, but that's a minor, minor mm-hmm. blip. But so Angel goes to the host to sing and try to find out what he should do. But instead the host just talks to him and sends him to this swami friend of his that is gonna help figure out what's wrong with him or help him deal with this issue and you know angel can kind of like center emotionally and not be so high strung and um so angel gets sent Mm -hmm. off into the woods to 
to do that. But meanwhile, Wesley and Cordelia are left at Angel Investigations, and this mob-looking guy comes in and demands to see Angel. And Wesley tells him he's not there, and then he comes back with a gun and tells Wesley, or, or is threatening Cordelia at this point, and says, you need to find your boss because my boss needs him. And so Wesley, to save Cordelia, steps in and pretends to be Angel and gets taken away to this high-level corporate guy who turns out to be secretly a high-level wizard, and that's where the family wealth and everything comes from. So apparently rival wizards and magicians are threatening his daughter, so he wants Angel to act as his daughter's bodyguard. So Wesley agrees to do that. There's a lot of comedy around him having to drink some blood and cover up all the mirrors and pretend to be a vampire. And so he does this. He goes through the act of pretending to be this woman's bodyguard. Um, They clearly get along really well and Wesley sleeps with her. And then then they get a call from the Swami, who it turns out is not the Swami and had been put there by these guys to kill Angel. And um, Mm -hmm. the real Swami is like dead in a ditch somewhere. And so they figure out that if Angel is actually at this pretend Swami place, then the person pretending to be Angel can't possibly be Angel. So Wesley is found out. And this uh, woman, Virginia, also finds out and she's really mad because, one, he lied to her, but two, he also did endanger her life by pretending to be a vampire bodyguard when, in fact, he wasn't. And um, so they leave, but then Angel and the group all reconvene and they realize that this guy, her father, is worshiping some demon that requires human sacrifice. And since it's his 50th birthday coming up, he's most likely sacrificing his own daughter as the sacrifice. And that's why he was so keen to protect her was to keep her alive for the sacrifice. So they arrive at the party. You know, they start fighting with everyone. The demon goddess gets called, but she rejects the sacrifice because the sacrifice is not pure. Because, once again, Wesley slept with her, although we find out he's not the only one. So the sacrifice doesn't happen, and they rescue Virginia, and she knocks her father out and decides that he's not her father anymore. So <laughs> I thought it was entertaining. I, I don't know. It didn't quite gel for me. I mean, it's like a fun diversion from the Darla stuff. I think I got a little bit turned off with Wes. You know, Wesley, I get it, and it's not like... I don't know. I just wish that he hadn't been quite the liar when when thing when they start romancing each other. Something about that just ended up feeling a little bit like just grosser than then like this kind of fun like I'm going to pretend to be Angel because I'm feeling insecure and I'm going to, you know, put on his bravado and like feel good about myself. It was like it was kind of like that part was fun. And I guess all of it it is fun. I really like the idea of mafia wizards. Like I think that's great. But yeah, I don't know. It was like a little bit fell flat for me. Not like I don't know. Bad. Like I don't I think it was like, like it, Wesley it was, was like, like little... I'm going to take advantage of the situation. I think he kind of just like happened. But I also think it was clear clear that like if it turned out that he was an angel, it was going to go really bad for him. And he doesn't know at this point like how much he can trust this woman to not, you know, tell them if he's like, oh hey, by the way, I'm not a vampire. You know, I mean, she's a little dumb to think that she could just yeah. sleep with a vampire who's famously not, you know able to (laughs) have his moment of happiness or whatever but um yeah or that she can't tell that his skin isn't ice cold or any of these things you know but 
Yeah, or like there were plenty of other reflective surfaces surfaces besides just the one mirror. I don't know. I guess it just kind of took some of the fun out of it for me though, because it is it's still just like un- I don't know. Well, I think it's a little bit. Speaking. It's all in service of this idea that the sacrifice isn't pure. So hmm. like if that doesn't happen, and then she says the sacrifice isn't pure, like we could assume okay, she's seems at least in her early twenties or older, but mm-hmm. you know, so she. Sure, she's not, but, like, I don't know. I think they felt like they had to show example on screen of, like, oh, yeah, the sacrifice isn't, you know, some young virgin sent up to the demon. Like, I think that, I think, yeah. you, I think no, you're right. I it is I mean, kind of gross to, like, pretend to be It doesn't bother angel. me that they sleep together. I just, I think she still would have slept with him if he had told her that he was an angel. Like, I think, I guess that's fine. It just seems, it just, yeah. Well, you'll see. I mean, she does. I, I, like, I feel like the part. Be, she'll be back. Right. No, no, no. True. I guess the part that I did like, it was, <laughs> I did like that reveal that the demon is like, oh, she's not pure. And then I was like, well, duh. She's like, yeah, exactly. She's like, she's a woman in her mid twenties. Like chances are that's been happening the whole time. And I did think that that was like a fun way for her to kind of stick it to her dad. And also totally fits with, I think some of those types of people where it's like, they think that their daughters are totally innocent and don't understand that like, <laughs> people do the things that they want to do kind of no matter how much you try and trap them <laughs> yeah so I appreciate her getting that one up on him I did think it was funny I mean I thought there was um, a lot of good comedy in this episode I love the scene where Wesley is meeting the wizard and pretending to be a vampire and they think they're being really nice and they give him some blood and like he has to drink it and he doesn't just like take a sip he's gross. like chugging the blood I was like I hope that's pig's blood like but also, why would, of all the places to empty it, into a yes. clear vase, <laughs> I was like, Wesley, just set it on the table. Like, don't think they're going to harass you about not finishing it. <laughs> now they just think you're a weirdo. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Uh, I guess he's just flustered. Also, um, I noticed during the big fight scene in the party, there's like axes on the wall and Cordelia picks that. up a champagne bottle to fight with. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, turn around. Your weapon of choice is right there. I thought, I did think Gunn was going to grab the axes. So it's a little weirder. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, again, like I like the notion kind of of this, especially the Wesley storyline. I wasn't particularly interested in the angel storyline. No. Um, Angel's boring me right now. Cause it's like, Angel is boring and they try and make that guy seem like he's really kind of deep and all knowing. And it was like, he maybe got some good jibes in an angel, but it didn't feel particularly. Well, he's not deep and all knowing. And then especially once. Well, the point. exactly. And then especially once you find out that, no, I know, but I'm just saying then, then like it was even less revealing than what it could have been. I don't know. I feel like there is sometimes an opportunity to like still, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'm just saying it was boring. He didn't tell me anything I didn't know about angel. I think he was, not very good at pretending to be a spiritual guide other than his voice, which was good. That's the guy who plays Babe Ruth in The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, Angel was boring. I like the Wesley storyline, but I feel, I guess I just wanted to, to get pushed like a little bit further or something. Something about him kind of getting his groove back. Because it's not, I, I, like even this, like Cordelia kind of makes a thing about like, oh, he, he's Angel for 24 hours and he already like gets to sleep with some lady. But like, He's already been sleeping with women. Yeah, like, they they've been, said they in the last episode that he had, like, just had sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, a little, like, is Wesley cool or is he, you know, a mess? And I feel like he, he's he been steadily not being a mess, so it was, like, a little bit much to be, like, oh, he's so, ha- you know, yeah, bumbling. 
kind of all it, of a sudden. But I, I, whereas I do feel like he needs, he could use an extra boost of confidence. And I like that he gets kind of to be the leader by the end of this, because I think that that is an important transformation between like follower to leader, as opposed to like transition from bumbling idiot to like suave guy, you know, like that's more compelling. No, I I agree. I think it's a little, the episode is a little slight in that it seems to be trying Mm -hmm. to imply something, but we haven't seen previous proof of it. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't go really deep enough into like what might be the thing here for Wesley. And yeah, because it seems like it's supposed to be a Wesley centric episode. And then we keep cutting away to the fact that it's really all about Angel because it's a Wesley centric episode, but he's pretending to be Angel. And then the the B plot is Angel with the Swami, so it's always about Angel. So it doesn't really feel yeah. like we're truly addressing what Wesley might want. Wesley, which I, I think agree. is a failure of the episode. Like I, I actually think it's yeah. a fun breather comic episode, especially given everything that's been mm-hmm. going on this season so far. I think we needed yeah. something like this, especially where we're going next week. But yeah, I think if this is the point they're trying to make, there could have been more here. Like I don't. Like, I feel like this episode, like, I'm done talking about it. Like, there's just not that yeah, much exactly. happening like, in okay. it. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I guess I do continue to like the little touches. I like Cordelia pretending to be Angel for a minute behind his chair. Like, that was mm-hmm. funny. I enjoy Gunn um, in the opening scene when they go, you know, they're break, trying to break into Wolfram and Hart. And <laughs> they're like, Cordelia and Wesley try and stop him. And she's like, oh, you don't even have a plan. And he's like, no, I had a plan. It was just to, like you know because they have those vampire detection yeah. demons or whatever and he was like i was just gonna beat them there and wesley or gun is like wait that was your plan like i like that i don't know i like gun being around i guess yeah. i like how angel was like how'd you guys get in yeah. and cordelia just puts on glasses and she's like hello lawyer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it was like not enough cordelia in this episode either no even though i know she's not yeah she doesn't have to be the center of every episode but yeah okay well also ramon betrayed lauren yes well how dare he? Oh, yeah, I guess Ramon does know. Well, you know, Lauren deals with demons, though, so I feel like this isn't new for him. Poor That's Swami, true. though. I get, yeah. Yeah, he didn't He didn't do anything. I guess I also just wish they had gone a little further with the mafia wizard idea, because I feel like that had more legs. <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant, right? Like, like what is the... You have these the, families with the, different magic ties, <laughs> and, like, they're all in competition but with like, each other. Yeah. What's the equivalent to the like Godfather scene where Michael has to get the gun from behind the toilet? Like, I feel like that they could have played on that theme a little bit harder. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's something. Would have liked to see a little more spell casting on screen. Yeah, well, that would cost more money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, what you alluded to next week's episode being heavy, but I don't know what the next episode is. So the next episode or the next two episodes really um, deal with, uh, there's a lot of cross-cutting between Buffy and Angel. So the next Buffy episode is Fool for Love, where um, Spike Mm. tells Buffy how he kills the previous Slayers. And so we get a lot of flashbacks. And then Mm -hmm. on Angel, the Mm -hmm. next episode is Darla. So we're going to get a lot of flashbacks Mm. too. So we're going to come back into this whole Darla thing that's happening. So, which is why I was happy to take a break from it this week. Yeah. Yeah. True. I just remember the next two episodes are going to have a lot of flashbacks. Mm. So, which I enjoy when they're used effectively. As long as yeah. Kate doesn't show up, I'm good. As long as Kate is finally done. <laughs> I can't look it up because I don't, if she's I know, I don't want to know. Wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> I might be, I might have to like sign on that day and be like, so I didn't watch that episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what we have coming up. 
And uh, do you have any pop culture this week? I do not. Mm-mm. Okay. So, no, I never like we do. said, our lives are boring. I mean, I started the second book in that series that I was okay. reading, but it's still good. But you're not ready to talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, I get it. Well, I, I mean, I haven't finished yeah, it, so exactly. yeah. Let's see. What team are you on this week? Oh, Tara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Team Tara. For sure. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, we'll talk next time. Okay. Bye. bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.